Chronicles by The Oracle, a true crime podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for listening today, and as always, if you prefer to read today's case, head on over to the com, where you'll find photos, source information, and disclaimers on today's case. Let's get started with Chronicle number 25. The Randy Layton Evers Case The year was 1992. Grunge was taking over with bands like Pearl Jam, Seven Mary Three, and Dinosaur Jr. Everyone was dressing a little bit darker while listening to this music. Others were wearing a more preppy look of bucket hats and scrunchies, the equivalent of a visco girl today. Kids were still waking up on Saturdays watching Rugrats and Tailspin eating their cereal and waiting on whatever endeavor their parents were going to take them on that day. Maybe it would be to the movies to see Beethoven, Mighty Ducks, or the one all the kids were excited to go see, Aladdin. One mom would forever be changed while the 90s were creeping in around her. She had only one thing on her mind. Where did her sweet three-year-old boy go that cold February morning? Randy Layton Evers was born on December 3, 1988 to Mike and Alexis in Southern California. His parents would not stay together, and his dad would remarry a woman named Tina. They would ultimately move to Las Vegas, Nevada when Randy was three. Alexis would have legal custody of both her son and daughter. She shared with Mike. When Randy was three years old, he was two foot eleven inches tall and weighed fifty pounds. He was a bright, fun-loving little boy with blonde hair and blue eyes. He had tubes in his ears as a result of numerous ear infections. He was sporting a three to four inch rat tail on the back of his head at the time and was wearing a black shirt and pants with no shoes. February 15th, Randy and his baby sister were at Mike and Tina's in Las Vegas. Note, there is no mention of why they were there or how long they had been there. No mention of his sister's name either. That night, Mike was celebrating his birthday at their home located at 313 East Rochelle Drive. A lot of people were over and in and out of the home. It is also said there was a lot of drinking going on. One can assume drugs could have been involved as well. This was in the early 90s. It is said that Randy was asleep on the floor in the living room, curled up in his blanket around 11.30 p.m. His stepmom, Tina, said that everyone decided to head out to the Gold Coast Casino. She has also stated they left Randy on the floor asleep with a friend that was passed out close by. Now there's another version of this story. This one is the one where Mike went into the back room and went to sleep with his daughter, and Tina and some friends went to the Gold Coast Casino and returned home at 3.30 a.m. to find Randy gone. Whatever version you choose to go with, one thing remains the same. Randy is gone. When the police were called to the home, neither Tina nor Mike showed interest in the fact that their son and stepson were missing. In fact, the police report from that day states that Mike had to be dragged out of his bed when told his son was missing. He had absolutely no interest in finding Randy. But why? A search of the area showed no signs of the boy anywhere. 
Police did not believe Randy had just walked away from the residence, as it was very cold that night and he was also afraid of the dark. Initially, Mike and Tina refused to take polygraphs, but would come around and take one. They ultimately failed, and in an interview, Tina said, they failed based on a question about where Randy was. She said they had answered wrong. Alexis, Randy's birth mom, was at her home one week after Randy had vanished. The FBI knocked on her door and had questioned her about her son's disappearance. This would be the first time she had heard Randy was missing. Some questions about this is why was she not in contact with her child for a week? However, she was baffled that Mike and Tina had not called her to let her know her son was missing. The FBI initially thought maybe Alexis drove from Southern California to Las Vegas and took her son. This was soon ruled out and she was not considered a suspect. Tina and Mike remained uncooperative with police. And soon after Randy went missing, they had a son and then a daughter and they moved to Southern California. What happened in those early morning hours? Something that Mike and Tina sold him to pay a drug debt. Some believe he was killed accidentally or on purpose by Mike or Tina. Mike and Tina believe he was abducted from their home. It was a party and a lot of people were in and out, so there is a possibility that someone could have taken the boy and no one would have noticed. In 2014, Mike passed away, and in 2015, a detective got a hit on Randy's DNA in a database and believes he could possibly be alive and living in the western states. Nothing more can be found on the DNA, and if the lead was followed any further. Alexis was so bothered and tore up about her son missing, she was no longer able to care for her daughter and had to give her to a relative to raise. Over the years, she has worked on getting herself back together she did get Randy's sister back and had more kids, eventually moving on with her life, but never forgetting her sweet firstborn, Randy. Alexis is still actively searching for her son and still seeks answers to what happened to him. One day she hopes the truth of that night will finally come out. If you have any information on this case, please call the Las Vegas Metro Police Department, Detective Larry Hanna at 702-229-3561. Once again, that's the Las Vegas Metro Police Department, Detective Larry Hanna, at 702-229-3561, case number 920216-0259. Once again, the case number was 920216 dash zero two five nine as always thank you for listening and this is the oracle signing off